This is Professor Shane Greenstein with the HBS Digital Initiative from the 2019 Future Assembly at Harvard Business School. We are pleased to present Flash Talks, exploring technology in a multidisciplinary world. How's it going, everyone? Uh, my name is Frank Nagel. I'm a professor here in the strategy department at HBS. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, my research thinks about how technology is weakening the boundaries between organizations of various types. So I'll be talking a little bit about some of the challenges and opportunities related to crowdsourcing, especially for companies that weren't born into the crowd. Uh, so I think it's important for everybody to have the same definition, or at least we can have a working definition here today of what crowdsourcing is. Uh, I'll throw it up there. I won't read it for you. But in particular, I like this definition because it comes from Wikipedia. So this is what the crowd thinks that crowdsourcing is. Uh, so we'll take their opinion on it. But I also like it because it's fairly broad, so we can think about things like gig workers, platform participants, user communities that would all fall under this kind of general heading of crowdsourcing. So just a few things by the numbers. More and more companies are using this. There's more and more venture capital being invested in these kind of crowdsourcing uh, applications. We also have an increase in percentage of companies using platforms and trillions of dollars worth of value being created by platform companies. Uh, and then lastly, one of the things I study in particular is thinking about open source software, which is a, a version of crowdsourcing where we create software uh, in a non-traditional kind of means. Uh, and more and more companies are both using this and contributing to it. And oddly, open source software is generally thought of as free, uh, but there's more and more money pouring into this as well. So when we think about uh, examples and you know, think about crowdsourcing, often we think about these companies that were, again, born into the crowd, right? So Uber or Linux or Wikipedia or Upwork, companies and organizations, their business model, their organizational model has always been involved with kind of these external uh, partners coming in and helping create value. Where there's more interesting, I think, work and, and a lot more challenges are thinking about companies and organizations that didn't always, that weren't born into the crowd. These kind of incumbents that have existed for a long time had a business model that was very in, inwardly focused and now are starting to engage with external crowdsourcing uh, partners. So take GE, for example, a long history of great innovation and great development, mostly focused internally. Uh, a few years ago, they actually started crowdsourcing jet engine development. So not exactly a, a, you know, a simple thing. Um, but, and since that went well, they've started using it more and more. Uh, you know, the Frito-Lay is a kind of a classic example because uh, they use this to, they use crowdsourcing to help build a Super Bowl commercial. They got a lot of good press and it went well and now they're using crowdsourcing to actually develop new flavors. Uh, and then lastly, my favorite uh, is Lego, um, which Lego had, uh, you know, for a long time developed all their toys, all their products, all their designs internally. And over the past few years, they started opening this up to users where they allow users to suggest designs and then the users actually vote on them. So we were having a discussion uh, last night uh, uh, in the kind of pre-event that um, this, the problem, one of the problems that can happen with the crowd is you get so many suggestions that it's very hard to sort through. But the answer to that is you use the crowd to help you actually sort through things as well. Um, and so we can think about even more complex things. NASA is using crowdsourcing. SETI, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, uh, used to be very kind of centralized uh, uh, in large labs. Now they're using crowdsourcing to help with that as well. Microsoft uh, recently famously has purchased GitHub, which is the biggest open source repository uh, in the world. Uh, and they're getting more and more involved in that. Apple, I think, is an, a very interesting case as well because 
You think about the iPhone, which first of all has open source software in it, but more importantly, a lot of the value that's generated by it is by third-party apps that Apple does not make. And so that App Store is kind of their way of tapping into the power of the crowd to actually generate innovation and value for their customers. So, you know, I've talked a few about a few of the benefits from crowdsourcing. I'll over these view, overview these quickly and then think more about the challenges. Um, so when we think about the, one of the main benefits is this kind of increased access to long tail ideas and specialized skills. Bill Joy, the co-founder of Sun Microsystems, kind of summed this up quite nicely. No matter who you are, no matter what company you are, uh, most of the smartest people work for someone else. And so how do we use, how do we get, uh, tap into those smart people that are elsewhere? We can use crowdsourcing to find these experts in very unique things that are very specific and we don't necessarily need them full time as an employee and we can still harness their inputs uh, via crowdsourcing. Well, lots of uh, research, in, including some from uh, here from HBS, has showed that crowdsourcing can save time and money. Uh, in, and when I talked about the, the Frito-Lay example, uh, that also increased brand awareness. So when, when Frito-Lay uh, for Doritos did the, the Super Bowl halftime commercial where they crowdsourced it from users, not only did they kind of save money and save time, uh, but they also got this great press of, you know, they're letting users help create the brand and sell the brand and things like that. Uh, and so this was very good for the brand as a whole. Uh, some of my research has looked into how crowdsourcing can actually increase the efficiency and productivity of the operations you do. So on top of saving time and money, we can also think about getting more out of the, the assets that we already have, and crowdsourcing can help us with that as well. And then lastly, one of the things we're seeing a lot more now uh, is internal crowdsourcing. So here, if a company or an organization is worried about showing the world their, you know, the problems that they're having difficulties facing, they can do this in a more internal manner and share it across the company so that other people from the company can actually weigh in and give ideas uh, without having to expose kind of the crown jewels to the external world. Now, some of the challenges with crowdsourcing, I think, are, are they're broadly, you know, when we think about crowdsourcing, this applies to most companies that have to or that are trying to deal with it. But in particular, it deals with uh, it affects companies that are making this transition that had older business models or more traditional business models and are now starting to engage with crowdsourcing. So some of the early work uh, uh, that we've been doing is thinking about how you actually measure value, both at the macro level, so kind of the GDP level, Wikipedia, we don't have, uh, we don't pay anything to use it, most people aren't paid to create it, uh, and so how does that show up when we think about GDP and national statistics uh, like that, but also how do we think about firms' investments in these type of activities when there's, you know, the, the money invested doesn't necessarily represent the actual activity going on. And relatedly, if we can't measure these things, what should the government's role be in crowdsource goods? Should they be sponsoring these types of things and helping them grow, like Wikipedia or open source software, or and or should they be regulating them such that you know there's there's uh, we're avoiding any kind of abuse of the people that are uh, participating in these crowds? Um, when we think about companies, especially companies that are transitioning, but all companies, we have to worry about employee identity. Uh, I showed NASA up there before, which had started using crowdsourcing to help um, build some pieces of satellites and spaceships and things like that. 
Uh, but the scientists at NASA got very upset by this, some of them, not all of them, uh, but some had this kind of identity crisis because they were the NASA scientists, they were supposed to be solving the hard problems, uh, and they ended up with this kind of not invented here syndrome where the innovations that were going out into space were not actually invented by NASA, they were invented by somebody that was, you know, a, a retired uh, a radio engineer is kind of the classic example. Um, so thinking about employee identity is pretty uh, important. When we think about crowdsourcing, uh, one of the important things to be able to do this successfully is to attract a crowd, which is not always easy. For Lego, they had a great user community and a great user base, and so they were able to tap into that very well. Uh, but that's not always the case for all companies, and so that's why we've seen the rise of these kind of uh, uh, crowdsourcing startups or these crowdsourcing specific companies that will allow you to tap into their crowd so that you don't necessarily have to develop the crowd on, the own, on your own. Let the experts at crowdsourcing help you out, um, and they can bring the crowd to you. Uh, and then lastly, some of the things that uh, I've looked at as well are thinking about the complementary ecosystem. So I'm not necessarily here to tell you that crowdsourcing is right for everybody. Um, it may be right for, for many people, but if you don't have your organization, your technology inside the firm uh, tied in a way or developed in a way such that you can actually integrate these external ideas, then it may be uh, difficult for you to actually integrate crowdsourcing. And so I've talked about these incumbent transitions a lot, and some of our recent research has thought about how, uh, what, how crowdsourcing really changes the way that a company operates. And so companies that uh, start to crowdsource have to develop these three capabilities uh, that they don't necessarily already have. So one is thinking about sharing intellectual property, uh, which is not something that most companies are, are comfortable doing or have done in the past, and so thinking about that and how that changes when you engage the crowd. Thinking about how to shepherd crowds. So managing crowds is very different than managing employees or, or external contractors. So in Lego's case, they designed a few rules around the crowdsourcing uh, um, uh, effort such that you, know, you, couldn't, uh, sub you weren't allowed to submit anything that was violent or represented a hate crime or these types of things so that they kind of push the crowd in the right direction, but they don't tell them exactly what to do. So they set some guidelines and they let the crowd do what they want to do. Uh, and then lastly, when we think about uh, crowds, uh, I mentioned kind of this, this notion of them potentially being exploited. I think the easiest way to, to do this is with a quick example that it's not necessarily uh, exploitation, but it certainly um, raises a question. So Facebook, when they wanted to translate into uh, many local languages, uh, they, instead of hiring lots of translators, would have, which would have been the more traditional way to do this, they threw it out to the crowd and said, hey, hey Facebook users, help us translate. This was great because they translated into Spanish in two weeks and French in 24 hours, uh, but at the same time, Facebook gets this massive amount of value and none of the users get paid. They get some benefit in that Facebook is now available in their local language so they can communicate with grandma easily and things like that, uh, but at the same time, there's this kind of question as to whether or not uh, this was exploitation. You know, I'm, again, I'm not saying it is, uh, but certainly these types of situations raise these type of questions. Uh, so Deloitte last year, I like this kind of flow chart. Um, the world of crowdsourcing, there's a lot of options and they have this nice chart uh, that lays everything out. This is publicly available uh, and in the interest of time, I'll kind of move forward. So just thinking about uh, open questions for breakout discussions, uh, there's a lot here that we can discuss and I look forward to talking about it during the breakout session. So thanks so much uh, and look forward to talking later. Thank you.